Welcome to Season 7 of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. On this season, our guest host is Ryan Alba from Arizona. Join us as he interviews millennial clergy who are doing interesting things in ministry. Longtime listeners may also appreciate him bringing back a game we used to play called How Millennial Are You? And while he clearly enjoys his time having some fun addressing millennial stereotypes, the guests he interviews and the stories they tell are worth listening to. So without further ado, here is Season 7 of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Welcome to, back to the Millennial Pastor Podcast, where we explore the intersection of faith and culture. I am your guest host, Ryan, and today I am joined by, um, I don't know, what are we, friends? Cousins? I don't know. In-laws? <laughs> All of the above, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, my cousin-in-law, I guess, would probably be the technical term. Um, yes, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Tiffany? Uh, Tiffany, uh, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself real quick and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Tiffany. I will be 38 next month, and I am a wife and mother to two, and uh, recently relocated from San Diego, California to Centralia, Washington, uh, to take a job as the Director of Worship Ministries at the Nazarene Church here in town. All right, so a couple things. You saved me the job of uh, having to ask you your age. So thank you very much. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Even though I know we are very close in age. Um, I'm, I'm a month wiser. Uh, <laughs> and then also, um, where is Centralia, Washington? For those who might be geographically challenged. <laughs> Sorry, my daughter. Just yeah, where where where's where's Centralia? So, so Centralia is right along the I five, and it's almost exactly halfway between Portland and Seattle. So it's one of those towns where you stop and get gas and go to the bathroom and then continue on their way. Usually, so nice. It's small town. <laughs> I was gonna say like, what's the population? And uh, I, that's you, a good question. I don't even know. Do you have a Costco? I should know that. I think that's kind of like... Oh, no, we don't have a Costco. We don't have the Target, but we do have a Walmart. You oh, know? okay. So, and a so. hundred coffee shops. So, the important stuff, I guess. Oh, really? Is there... I guess it is Washington. Um, it is Washington, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so um, being now that you are in Washington and you've gone from California, sunny California to rainy Washington, how has that transitioned... Mm-hmm. Ben, I'm just curious about that. Well, I love the rain and I've always wanted to be out of California. It's far too sunny for me. And so I've enjoyed it. My husband, uh, not so much. He's gotten his car stuck in the mud. I mean, three or four times. So that is, that's not his favorite, <laughs> but he's learning. He's learning to, to, to deal with it. So nice. Nice. Okay. All right. Well, 
um, as part of the, we are the millennial pastor podcast. And um, even though I think the requirements of being a millennial to be on the show kind of went out the window a long time ago, it is kind of fun to kind of ask the questions about, um, there's a little game we like to play called how millennial, how millennial are you? Um, and first of all, do you consider yourself a millennial? I, I, I know the kind of the, the definitions uh, are, are a little gray sometimes. Well, it's funny. I was just talking to my husband about how I never had like identified as a millennial. It's just all I knew to be, you know, just my life. Right. Yeah. And it's not until really this younger generation has come up that I'm seeing, oh, like this, we are kind of a unique generation as far as growing up without technology and kind of being the first to parent with technology. And, mm-hmm. and so I guess I, I guess I'm a millennial. I don't I don't like to uh, claim all of the things that we are accused of, but yeah. I think there's a lot of really great things about being a millennial also. So your brother is how much younger than you? How much younger six Jordan? and a half years. Six and a half years. Yeah. So he was yeah. born in 90. So I think technically he's still a millennial. Yeah, no, he definitely is. But I just remember when um yeah we were going to we went to school at the same time and I remember seeing Jordan in the cafeteria and I and at one point somebody's like the freshmen this year are were born in the 90s and i was like oh my gosh this is so weird <laughs> um and now like you know well do you know what i just heard the stat what? is uh george jetson was born in 2022 because <laughs> it takes place in like the 2060s or something and oh, he right. was in his 40s in that show so yes he was born a few months from now how crazy is that um, well um at the end of this month, I, those we're gonna release this later in the year. But those those of you who are listening, we're recording this in May. But at the end of May, it's gonna be my twenty year anniversary from graduating high school. So I'm kind of yeah. dealing with that right now. <laughs> anyway, I feel I'm right there too. Yep. <laughs> um, so we're gonna play a little game called "How Millennial Are You?" Um, I'm gonna ask you some questions, and we'll. I, I don't know. I don't know what the scoring system is, but uh, we'll 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 try to decide if um, if you if you qualify as a as a millennial. Um, all right, all right. Do you now, or have you ever lived in your parents' basement? Um, not the basement. <laughs> uh, we lived with my parents for six years, so I guess guilty. <laughs> I, I kind of knew this one going into it because I thought it was hilarious because yeah, you guys kind of you guys flipped the you guys flipped the stereotype. You were upstairs yeah, and your parents were in do. the basement. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny because I just one of those like, oh, like they don't even live in the basement. They're your mom, you moved your mom and dad down into the basement. But we uh, were we were employed at the time and contributing. Not, yes, not yes. Quite all the stereotype that comes with that. <laughs> no, I mean it's one of those things. Like you guys, <laughs> I mean you're living in San Diego. That's it's not it's not cheap to live there. So honestly, yeah. if I was in your situation, we probably would have done the same thing. All right. Well, I had two babies and a husband yeah. working full time and getting the masters. So it was survival, you know. Oh yeah, I mean totally. I mean I think yeah. it's one of those things. Like if you lived in like. Kansas I don't know not to pick on Kansas but right it would have been easy, <laughs> it would have been it would have been easier to afford to have your own spot right um right plus I mean I'm not gonna lie I was a little jealous when you guys uh, were living there because your mom would be there to watch the kids at any point 
Um, yeah. We definitely don't have that situation in, in my life. No, okay. <laughs> so. A little sweet setup. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, number two, how often do you order avocados on your toast from your local bistro? Oh, my God. Why go to the bistro? I make it every day at home. I'm not even kidding. My kids had it for breakfast this morning. So. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> so you're, you're an avocado. It's their favorite toast. breakfast. Aficionado. Yeah. We do avocado on everything, though. I think that's the uh, Californian in me. There you go. Um, is it expensive? Is it more expensive up there? They're about a dollar a piece right now. Okay. I'm. I'm not I gonna lie. I don't also. think I've ever put avocado on toast. You're missing out. A little bacon crumbles, so good. Um. Yep. Apparently, I. I guess I just always pictured it as just like a spread, like you do like butter or jam or whatever. But I've seen some mm-hmm. like artisan avocado toast where they have a bunch of different things on it it's like mm-hmm. i don't know i feel like it's like a white person's tostada or something like that. <laughs> white person's tostada. sorry sorry if i offended anybody out there <laughs> all right so so far I'll edit that out <laughs> so far you, you i'm two for two at this point yeah. uh except for the first one you definitely flipped the script uh all right. Do you now, or have you ever sold essential oils? No, <laughs> I shouldn't say that with such disdain, should I? No. Well, that, that was going to be my follow-up question is how many essential oils do you own? Zero. 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 Okay. So you yes. don't, you don't believe in the power of the essential oils. Got it. It's not that I don't, I just, I can't justify the cost of it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't even know how much it costs. I just, I just know that that's the kind of the stereotype thing. All right. right. This one, I don't, are you a coffee drinker? No. Oh, okay. So this, this one. But I know it's coming. Ask me the question because I think I have an answer. for. All right. Over under five and a half pumpkin spice lattes last year. Oh, under, I had my first one this last year. Ooh, wow. I'm 37 years old. I should probably try it. And it just, that was one more than I ever needed to have. I'm a chai girl. Yeah, uh, still basic, but <laughs> um, wow, you don't you didn't like the pumpkin spice, huh? Can you do pumpkin spice chai? Pumpkin. Is that a thing? I don't know. I never tried it. Yeah. And I'm really boring actually. When I go to meet someone for coffee now, I order order an Arnold. Oh, I can't even say the word Arnold Palmer. So it's lemonade and iced tea. And the baristas think I'm so cool. And <laughs> I have no clue how to order coffee, but I just want some lemonade and iced tea. Yeah, that is pretty. Um, I don't even, I've never even heard of anybody ordering that at coffee. I'm just trend setting over here. So. so I imagine that's not like Starbucks. You guys have a bunch of local coffee shops, I imagine. Yeah, every corner. <laughs> All right. Um, what percentage of photos on your phone are selfies? Zero. Oh, maybe there's one that I sent my husband one day when I was feeling good, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I quickly deleted it because I was embarrassed. <laughs> You're not a selfie taker, huh? I'm not a selfie, unless my kids are in it. Yeah. But pretty the, rare. That's an ussy. I don't know. Yeah. I saw that. There you one. go. Yeah, I'm not a... <laughs> I, I don't I don't take selfies either. What about mirror photos? You did did, did you count those? Oh zero. <laughs> Absolute zero. But my mirror's right. too dirty anyways, so it wouldn't work well. <laughs> All right. So not a fan of pumpkin spice latte. 
Uh, don't take a lot of selfies. Don't like essential oils, man. You're not, you're not doing so well. Not millennial, millennial, I guess, yeah. Huh? yeah. All right. Have you ever used hashtag blessed on social media? Oh, gross. No. <laughs> Sorry. Again, such disdain. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. Uh, all right. What, what about, um, do you drink LaCroix or other sparkling water equivalents? No, no, I've <laughs> tried it and it just, I'd rather just drink water. Yeah, I'm the same way. I can't it's, the, it's the hint of a hint of lemon. I, I just, I'm not, <laughs> I don't jive with that. Yeah, either give me the lemon or don't. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm all brother, in or nothing. My brother has, loves LaCroix. And <laughs> I bring my own drink when I go to his house. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever maintained a physical checkbook? Oh, maybe in like junior high when I got my first checking account, but no, I guess the answer is no. Yeah. No, was that was the probably the way. last time I actually had a physical check. So do you not keep a checkbook around just like for just in case? Mm-mm. No, we don't have one at all. We, I think we just used our last check and it was like from our address, like from like eight years ago. <laughs> like in california <laughs> yeah like no like like i don't even remember i'm like do we do we live in this place i don't even remember this uh no, i seriously like we just used our last check for a long time some places will only take check but anyway um what do you spend more money on per month retirement or coffee uh is it bad if it's zero neither <laughs> <laughs> I'm not not a money person either so that doesn't fall under I have a savings account I guess I'll say that I I do put money in savings so so savings not coffee okay does that count yeah I guess I'll give you that much so that's pretty gonna make (laughs) account that's pretty grown up for you so far you're not looking very millennial I think you're um you're you're borderline (laughs) all right one last question (laughs) these are from real these are from real headlines like that you can find on the internet. Um, what have you personally helped ruin? Either one, handshakes, uh, because I guess there's an article about millennials have weak handshakes. Um, pants, because uh, I guess leggings are all the, the rage these days. Canned tuna, only 32% of millennials buy canned tuna these days, um, or all of the above. I guess I can go with tuna. <laughs> rusty buys it but i never do <laughs> kind of grosses me out no so everything else you've you've, you've helped ruin you don't wear pants anymore you don't oh no i wear i wear pants what was the first one i don't even that's how old i am i can't even remember the first part point of <laughs> it, it. Was, it was handshakes apparently millennials oh, yeah, no i have a good i think i have a good handshake i yeah. don't know nobody's told me otherwise i'd shake your hand now but it's kind of hard <laughs> through the phone all right. So it sounds like you've um, you've you've helped keep the the, the tuna industry alive and pants so. and handshakes. So yeah, you didn't do so good on the millennial uh, stereotype quiz. So I'm gonna say Wait, that I have you... a I have a millennial check for us. Oh, what's that? Okay, can you finish? Can you finish the sentence? Okay. In West Philadelphia. Born and raised. See, that's a millennial <laughs> check right there. That is pretty good. I, Can I get a point? Can I get a point? <laughs> yeah. <there you> go. <laughs> <laughs> On the playground, I spend most of my days. Sorry. I... See, you can't not finish it. 
my daughter came up to me the other day and said, mom, can you play the heart in the blender song? Do you know what she's talking about? Do you remember that one? Want to put my tender heart in a blender? Do you remember no. this? No. Who is that oh, by? Man. Uh, Eve Six. I had to look it up because oh. I didn't even know. I just knew the song. Eve Six. That's her dad's influence, though. He loves like '90s, early 2000s music. So he brings it. He keeps it alive in our home. Yeah, a couple months ago, I uh, I was driving and I was feeling a little Hootie uh, and the Blowfish. Uh, yeah. And now and now my music app just like non-stop recommends like mid-90s alternative rock <laughs> it's, it's good it's a throwback and i like it okay well i even though you might not be all the stereotypes in uh as a millennial i, th- I think you still classify um and i think uh it doesn't really matter because once again stereotypes are not real people <laughs> um <laughs> we like to have fun with it because um, it's fun to make fun of them, um, but mm-hmm. kind of get into the meat and potatoes of uh, what we're going to talk about today. Um, so you, you mentioned earlier that you are a music director. Is that your title? Uh, yeah, director of worship ministries. I director think of worship ministries. Official. All right. I don't have my district license yet, so I'm not a pastor. Oh, okay. I was going to ask you, like, what's so what else, what else does that mean? What is it? What's your, what's your kind of uh, day in the life and how, what does ministry look like in your, in your context these days? Well, it's really shifted. I, I kind of stumbled into ministry. Um, a friend from college uh, messaged me about five years ago and her husband was the lead pastor of a church plant in San Diego and they were looking for somebody to help lead worship. So the first three years I was in ministry was very much like a staff meeting Sunday morning worship, and that was it. And so then two years ago, when we moved here, and I came on board at the Nazarene Church, um, it's much more empowering of women in ministry uh, Mm -hmm. than at the non-denominational church. And we don't have to, you know, get into that. But um, right now, I do. Well, we can, we can get into (laughs) it. I don't know who all is going to listen to this and what I want to say. But uh, but now I, you know, obviously worship responsibilities on Sunday mornings, but uh, my, my favorite thing is connections and, and I'm kind of doing that in an unofficial capacity until somebody tells me to stop. And so mm-hmm. I've been planning, you know, just the fellowship uh, opportunities and, and different events for oh, okay. adults and kids and teens. And that's what I love to do connections with our you know community with um, we have a transitional living house for women coming out of incarceration. And so I'm partnering with them and kind of helping our church connect with them. Those are, those are the things I'm doing unofficially, but I really love and worship is how I'm getting paid. (laughs) Is that bad? I probably shouldn't, I probably shouldn't admit that so honestly, but. No, that's awesome. Um, So yeah. So what, um, where are you as far as um, kind of uh, going down the road? Are you, is, is, full-time ministry something you feel called to you if you feel I mean not to say that being a worship pastor is a bad thing but like you know you feel to be it sounds like you want to be kind of more of a associate pastor is that something you're looking to do or we'll see I mean if you had asked me a year ago I I probably would have said yes Um, Mm and coming when we moved here uh, being back in the Nazarene church I'd grown up Nazarene and so the three years I spent at the non-denominational was very eye-opening for me and um, also very isolating. There weren't many resources to know, you know, how to get an education, how to, you know, kind of grow yourself vocationally. 
And so when we came to the Nazarene church, I immediately, um, you know, got my local license and I actually signed up and had a seminary, a semester at, you know, the Nazarene theological seminary. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was going to go for it, get my master's in divinity and um, pursue ordination. And then a lot of stuff has just gone down over the last two years. And it's really caused me to question, am I called to lifelong ministry in the church or am I called to a minister in this church for this season? We've been a year without a pastor. Um, and I oh, feel wow. like, like maybe we were called to, we were looking to make the move, but I, I feel like God called us to this town specifically at this time mm-hmm. to help with this transition. Um, and so going forward, I, I really don't know at this point, it's kind of a question mark right now. And I keep constantly like, God, if this is what you want me to do, can you just, could you make it really clear if you want me to pursue, you know, do a course of study and pursue ordination because Mm -hmm. it is a financial commitment and we already have student loans from my husband pursuing advanced degrees. And I didn't really want to add more to our debt if I wasn't certain. And uh, so at this point, I'm just kind of, uh, in a holding pattern and trying to still learn and grow, um, and just be very open to what is to come. And it's, it's an interesting time to just wait and not try and make my own direction happen, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I imagine any pastoral transition has to be hard, but a year I feel like is pretty long. Um, how is, is that, has that been kind of part of the Kind of you rethinking maybe what is ministry and what is my role or was it something that happened before yeah, and that? It's, I mean, so I, well, we moved here in June of 2020. So right towards the beginning of the pandemic. And when we moved, the church was still closed. And uh, so I served for a year alongside our lead pastor. We had a children's pastor, connections pastor, married to our youth pastor, full staff. And within one year, they were all gone. They had all resigned and moved away. And so it's been, uh, it was June 20th of last year that they, it was their last Sunday. And so, um, this year it's just been me and then our secretary (laughs) doing the work of kind of running. We had, you know, like our board secretary and our interim pastor who would handle kind of the business side of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the weight of, you know, Sunday morning service, um, has definitely landed on my shoulders as well as just people asking questions and wanting to know what's going on and needing help that has really kind of come to me as well. Um, and it's being fully just in this process. I've seen a lot of things that have made me, I don't know. I, I've been going through, I hate the word deconstruction. Um, cause I don't intend to leave things torn apart. I want to mm-hmm. figure out how we can do things better. And yeah. I sometimes wonder if the church is just not ready to make some of the changes that need to happen. And I don't know if that can be done from the inside or if I, maybe it would be better for me to go and get plugged in more with the community and just mm-hmm. dive head into a place where people aren't even walking through the doors of the church, right? Yeah. And there's this kind of mentality, at least in our local congregation of, well, we need people to walk through the doors and then we'll minister to them. Mm-hmm. And I... I'm like, no, we need to go and we need to go out and get our hands dirty and, and fling the doors wide open uh, to some different ideas and uh, ways that we can reach people. I don't know. Yeah. That was a tangent. So we can, we can go back, but no, that's, I mean, I mean, raise your hand if you've 
uh, on that stuff <laughs> in the last five, six years. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people, especially our age, are, are experiencing similar things. And I, and I want to be careful to say, like, it's not like, I don't think it's a Nazarene issue. I don't think it's a specific local congregational issue. I think it's just, I think it's a discipleship issue, the way that, like, our people have been discipled over the last mm-hmm. 50, 60, 80 years has been mm-hmm. you open the door, people come, and that's where ministry happens. And mm-hmm. there's a shift taking place where opening the door is no longer good enough. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's part of the reason why, I mean, for those people who are listening right now, they some of them might know, some of them might not know, but uh, I mean, we do a house church we do we do church literally in uh, my living room and part of the reason for that is that you know hey i think there's a lot of reasons that people wouldn't go to a church mm-hmm. but maybe somebody will come over and have dinner and, right. Right. <laughs> and and maybe and maybe they'll they'll stick around for, for what happens afterwards um mm-hmm. but yeah what what do you think so you are you thinking like um are you seeing yourself kind of maybe like move into more of a like a missional role or just get a job and see what happens? Yeah, I'm not or? sure. We have a our new lead pastor is coming the end of June. Oh, so somebody's been hired. Gotcha. We yeah, somebody's hired. Um, <clears throat> and with that, obviously, there's always uh, the the chance that that they may not have me as part of their vision going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm anticipating that maybe God may make things very clear through that process. Um, but I don't know. I'm just trying to be really intentional about my relationships and saying yes to opportunities that get me involved in the community uh, as much as I can be. Um, and just trusting that the doors will open that are supposed to open and be very clear. It, it's hard when um, I've been a vocalist my whole life. And so I'm expected to sing and yet worship is really not i love it Mm -hmm. i don't love leading it necessarily um i'm highly introverted i'm very anxious i get nervous easily and so the anxiety that it produces week to week is really starting to affect my body and uh, i'm not enjoying (laughs) like feeling feeling very much my age or older because Mm -hmm. of just anxiety over this role and it's it's hard to please everybody um and the fact that we even think that shows how much uh how self-centered we are right that we're worried about well are they going to play my favorite hymn today well it's not about you are we glorifying god through this process because that's what it's about so it doesn't matter if it's a new or old song we're here to worship god and not necessarily Mm. in ways that we enjoy sometimes it's not about us it's about you know, the, the communal aspect of coming and raising our voices together in praise. So I, there's the very just human part of me that would love to step out from under the weight of that. But, Mm. you know, if this is where God wants me, I trust that it, that's where I'm going to be. I'm just, I'm going to stay until I'm released from this. Um, and that's just a, you know, a very real human thing that I'm working through right now. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like um, the two things that most people in the church have opinions about are the worship 
<laughs> and like the temperature in the room like it's too yeah. hot it's too cold <laughs> well and how about the the american flag on the platform let's add that to you know the top <laughs> concerns right now um, well we don't need to step in that either <laughs> i wish more people have opinions about it then anyway <laughs> that's just me um well it's it's the loud voices that maybe i don't agree with their yeah, opinions of you know, having a finger shoved in my chest telling me I better put the flag back on the platform or else. Um, I just, I don't think Jesus would have done that personally, so. No, that's, that's hard. Um, and then also, I, and I mean, I, I think, I think you touched on a lot of different things. I think worship can be so much more than music and mm-hmm. singing, um, but also, um yeah like how are you how are you getting into the community like you said like you know keeping your eyes open and kind of saying yes to the opportunity to serve others are there are there certain ways that you are engaging the community at this time yeah and it's really kind of in the beginning process obviously moving here and just meeting people has taken a while and then covid the opportunity to dive in has been limited but just a few weeks ago i was at the playground i take my kids to the playground almost every day after school And I've noticed the last couple months that uh, more and more teenagers are hanging out there. And I don't know about you, but when I was in high school, I never would have been caught at a playground, right? And these teens are gathering, they're like sitting around the swings where the kids can't use it. And I'm seeing it in like community Facebook chats, you know, oh, all these teenagers, we got to get rid of them. And my thoughts are, well, they have nowhere else to go. So let's solve the problem rather than just shooing them away. So I started reaching out to people and actually had breakfast with our county commissioner yesterday and she connected me with um this coalition for the prevention of teen drug and alcohol use and they have a meeting this week and it's open to everybody so i you know i want to go and and meet with these people and see what we could do to potentially open a teen center near the high school and middle school for these kids to come and just hang out and then i'm going to make phone calls to all the youth pastors in the town and say okay can you volunteer this day or this day and let's just come alongside these kids and support them and give them a safe place to be instead mm. of you know who who knows what else so that's that's the one thing that i'm kind of focused on the most at this point is trying to help these kids uh have a, a safe place to land after school to hang with their friends if they don't want to go home yeah that's awesome i think yeah i mean complaining is easy right <laughs> doing something about yeah. it is actually the hard thing um, I mean, and then like, yeah, like I don't take my kids to the, the playground every day, but I, you know, every week or two, I'll take them mm-hmm. to the playground. And yeah, I, I guess I've kind of noticed as well. There's, there tends to be always at least a handful of teenagers around. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with their family or why they're not at home, but it just seems yeah. like, <clears throat> I mean, I guess you could try to talk to them, but that'd be hard. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. Well, it the, is hard to like randomly people. walk yeah. up to them. Yeah. And they're not super receptive to that. But if they were coming to a place every day and they saw you and yeah, you're throwing bags of chips in their direction, I, you know, it opens the door That's to awesome. just have conversations and, and to yeah. be a listening ear to somebody. And our town has a lot of, you know, I think small towns do. There's not as, there's not as much to do. And so I do think, you know, drugs and alcohol are, uh, I don't know if they're more used, but I, I do know a lot of members of our church have adult children who have battled addiction, who yeah. have grown up here. 
I don't know if small town is the the reason for that or not, but um, if we could try <laughs> make an effort, right? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think uh, we used to, I mean, we lived in a small town as well. And uh, if you're going to open up a teen center, I think that's a great idea. But I, I guarantee you the number one thing, if you guys did free Wi-Fi, people would show up. Mm. <laughs> like, okay, that's, I'm going to write that down. Um, our church was right down the street from the high school. And um, kids would come by all the time just to sit on their phones. It's yeah. like one of those like, it's like, I don't know, we kind of took it as like a, a kind of a service to the community. And mm-hmm. it was literally, they would sit on, a, there'd be like a bench outside, they'd sit on there and and like, I literally, I'd go out there and be like, hey, you guys want some water or something like that? Sometimes they say yes, mm-hmm. sometimes they say no, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things like if, if you give, if you have Wi-Fi, they will come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm hoping our, our church has a huge basement and we have... Yeah you know, couches and pool tables and, uh, what's the foosball? There it is. And so my, my dream would be to open it in our basement and have it open a few hours a day. And I just think about the fact that, you know, these kids would come have a safe place that they're comfortable with. They know where the bathrooms are. They have the Wi-Fi, and Mm -hmm. maybe when they hit a really hard situation in life, they may remember like, Hey, that, that church opened their doors to me. And that was a place I could go. And and hopefully they would come and and find the support that they're looking for but that's awesome yeah well it sounds to me like um because i think we uh i said we had we had messaged back and forth about this kind of interview and and i remember i had mentioned something about asking a question kind of like why are you staying in the church it sounds like you i feel like you're you're not like opposed to the church. It's just a matter of like, or even opposed to ministry. It's just a matter of like, mm-hmm. where do I do ministry? Is it, am I more effective within kind of the structure that we're mm-hmm. used to, or would I be more effective if I did something else or, you know, worked some, mm-hmm. worked another job or something like that. But uh, is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah. I, and I think a lot of it depends on, you know, where our leadership decides to go. Uh, I can't, I can't stay someplace if we're just inward focused, but if, if we really as leadership desire and recognize the need that there is to kind of reinvent how we interact with people and they're Mm -hmm. willing to do things they haven't done before. um, And the concern isn't about protecting, you know, the building and keeping it clean and tidy but instead it's about filling it with people who, who need to know the love that Jesus has for them. Right. Yeah. If that's, if that's the direction that our leadership wants to go, then I want to be part of that. Yeah. But I can't be someplace where just the, the concern is only inward focus. Not that, not that there aren't needs within our church, but yeah. I think so many times we focus just on our own selves. And when we turn outwards, suddenly mm-hmm. our problems uh, aren't so uh, huge. Do you know what I'm saying? Not to, not to minimize the struggle, yeah. but when we, we come alongside other people, I think there's just this very holy energy and renewing that comes when we are in mm-hmm. fellowship with, with people, whether they're believers or we're walking alongside people who are struggling. Um, mm-hmm. God, God is there. And I, I feel that, and it's very renewing. So I want, I want to be a part of a church that, that wants to reach out and be bigger than just our you know, Sunday morning worship service. Yeah. And, and I think that's the, the movement for the church leading, moving forward in a lot of ways. And 
Um, I think a lot of it comes down to, yeah, are we, are we here to protect what we've, what we have, or are we here to, mm-hmm. to give things away? Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of that, in a lot of ways, it's a natural human instinct to kind of protect the things we have because mm-hmm. um, we've worked hard and to get those things and you don't want people taking them. And um, but at the same time, yeah, learning to look out is hard. Uh, well, and I think for so many, um, if, if you want to do something differently than how it's been done, it can feel like you, you think the way it was done wasn't correct. And if a, if a conversation were to happen, you, you could say, well, no, it, that's what needed to be done at that point in time. Yeah. And now we've learned and things have shifted and now we need to do it differently. Uh, mm-hmm. But there was even a conversation with some of the women at church talking about how, you know, moms these days, they don't want to volunteer in kids yeah. church to watch their own kids. Yeah. And somebody said, well, if, if that's not what they're willing to do, then we don't want them to be part of our church. And that just blew my mind that there was I, even that huh. mentality instead of, well, why don't want moms want to be part of this? Well, because they're exhausted. <laughs> like yeah. the, the demands and the multitasking that is happening for mm. my generation. Yeah. The last thing that we want to do is drag our kids out of bed, out the door to church. There's all the fighting and then sit and watch more kids. Right. Yeah. And, and yet this idea of, well, we did it, so they should do it. Well, yeah. let's, let's first of all, have some compassion yeah. towards these, these families and let's talk about why they don't and how we can support them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so if, if we can't have the compassion in these conversations, then we're never going to be able to, to move forward and, and be open to new ways of doing things with all the, you know, mm-hmm. advances in technology and, and schedules. And it's just, it's a different day and age, especially post pandemic. We are not the same people that we once were, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a great point. I think um, I think I always would find myself saying was like, I mean, unless you have, unless you have a time machine, the good old days aren't coming back. Like, right. you know, like, so it's either we keep doing the same thing and expecting different mm-hmm. results or, which is the definition of insanity. Right. <laughs> right. Or we learn to adapt and try something new. Um, and, and, and being okay with like, just cause you try something new doesn't mean like it's going to succeed. Like, just because, right. <laughs> so like, we have to try it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> just because I think that's the thing is a lot of people are afraid of quote unquote failure. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's like, no, we're just, we're just trying something new. We're just, we're just going to give something a shot. Against the wall. Yeah. See what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, a lot of people have a hard time with that. And I understand why, because you can put a lot of work into it and you can mm-hmm. put a lot of energy into communicating, hey, this is what we're going to try to do. This is what what's happening. And then mm-hmm. it just doesn't work. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, does that mean that you had a bad idea? It's like, no, it's just, it didn't work the way that you thought it would work. And right. maybe right. you learn something from the next time. I think that's mm-hmm. a great mindset. Um, so in a lot of ways you we've kind of answered a lot of the questions i had um (laughs) written down um but i think kind of the question i guess is is you know so many millennials and like the millennials like were like the least church generation ever and 
basically Gen Z is set to destroy our generation um, in that area. Um, what do you think is the, the way that we, we either retain or reach out to millennials slash Gen Zers uh, in the future? You think it's more of that kind of moving beyond Sunday morning or I don't know, having the coolest sound machine, like fog machine and lights and what, what, what do you think? Is I the... hope it's not a sound machine and lights because <laughs> I just, I don't, I'm too, maybe I'm too old for that, but yeah. I've thought a lot about this. You know, I have a brother who's six and a half years younger and he wants nothing to do with organized religion. And it's because he sees a church that's full of hypocrites. And even though we've had really great examples of authentic believers, you know, up close in our family, uh, by far, there there are people out there that claim to be Christ followers, but you see the way they live and treat others, and it's it doesn't jive with the Jesus that we were taught by these same people in Sunday school, right? Yeah. And I think that's really what I'm seeing from my generation is just this cry for authenticity, and it's coming in in all ways. I mean, you you see women my age in their 30s are not dying their hair; they're letting the gray show. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, this is who I am. And this is just how it's going to be, you know, this is, yeah. I don't feel the need to change myself because it's not what's important. And, um, we are wanting sustainable products, things that don't harm our environment. We don't, you know, it's I, I just very much a, be, be authentic and, um, be a good steward. And mm -hmm. I, I think that, that I read something the other day about how, um, is it Gen? Is it Gen X that's above us? Yeah. No, Gen. Yeah, that they, you know, they were our Sunday school teachers, and they yeah. taught us about the Good Samaritan, and they uh, they taught yeah. us about you know Jesus's compassion and feeding the five thousand, and they they told us to care about other people, right? Mm -hmm. And then now in the news, you see just all these really ugly things being said by people claiming to be Christ followers, and yet it just does not align with what we were taught about the Jesus of, of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of people I know, I mean, my brother would never say like, oh, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with God. He's saying, I just don't want anything to do with the stuff that, you know, they're talking about is important because it's, it doesn't feel important to dress up on a Sunday that we are going to judge somebody by the clothes that they're wearing. So, so mm -hmm. I guess to answer your question, I think what needs to happen is to take off the mask and to be real. And, mm -hmm. you know, when uh, several years ago, my husband and I were struggling majorly in our marriage. And I was so embarrassed to share with anybody that we were going through that. And what should have happened was I should have been open and had people come alongside us, right? Mm -hmm. And rally us through that season. And yet I was so embarrassed because that's not what a good Christian marriage is. Like, you don't, you don't yeah. struggle in your marriage, right? Because you're yeah. clearly not strong enough in your faith. Yeah. Um, and these are these are the things that have been exemplified for us that now as adults, we're seeing, you know, maybe our grandparents or our parents' relationship and uh, the, the facade they had put on. Now we're able to see, oh, that was really unhealthy. And I'm not talking about mm -hmm. my own parents if they're listening to this, but <laughs> but kind of in general, you know, these, yeah. uh, you have a perspective as an adult that you didn't as a child and we're re-examining this. And, and yeah. if we're ever going to want people to have an interest in being part of a community of believers inside mm -hmm. a, you know, a church building, mm -hmm. we've, we've got to lay down our masks and be real with one another. Yeah. And I think that starts 
I, I love what you guys are doing as a house church. It's a very non-threatening, uh, easy yeah. first step for people that have been really traumatized by people within the church. Yeah. And so if we're, if we're going to reach people, we have to be willing to get to where they are. And maybe Sunday morning church doesn't have to happen Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Maybe it can happen on a Friday and the kids are running around and that's yeah. when there's no soccer, right? And, yeah. and there's just this, especially in our town, it's really big on sports. Like sports are, are God and, yeah. and people get really mad if your sports schedule interrupts with church. Well, maybe that's okay to go and be part of these sports teams and connect with this community that you would otherwise not know. But let's also come together as a community of believers. So when does that work? Let's let's reinvent that time and, and make that okay. But again, yeah. it's it's a threat to say, I think to some ego, it's it's a threat, a threatening feeling to have somebody say, Well, this doesn't work. And it's not that it didn't always work, it's just yeah. no longer working. Yeah. And that's okay. So then let's go forward. Yeah. No, that's great. I think. Yeah, I mean, you're preaching to the choir right now. I've I've had these conversations so many times with so many people, and I've been the one like you say, like, you know, why does why do things have to be this way? Like, they don't have to. Right. I mean, you know, and maybe sports aren't our enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, maybe um, maybe you know how often we show up to a a service on a Sunday morning isn't the only thing that decides whether or not we are faithful or mm-hmm. genuine. Um, no, I think that's great. All right. So uh, with, uh, that was kind of like, Hey, how can we improve? And, and, and also I just want to, I just remember this too. Like, I think that your, your point about authenticity is great. I think most people can sense <clears throat> people who are unauthentic, especially teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like I, I did youth right. ministry for a number of years. Like, if you're fake around teenagers, like they're never going to give you the light of day. But like, if you like, if you're authentic with them and say like, Hey, this is something I struggled with. This is something I struggle with today. Like, mm-hmm. I think people are much more willing to give you the opportunity to speak into their life. Um, mm-hmm. With that, if you're, <clears throat> if you're open and honest about your issues and, and maybe they're not the same issues as them, but at least you're, at least you're you're honest you know that's mm-hmm. what i think most people appreciate um so if i i, I think I, I i totally agree i think that we need to be thinking through like you know why like thinking outside the box kind of like we don't need to be one thing we can be many different things and mm-hmm. i think what it comes down to is you know <laughs> are people hearing the gospel are people being discipled and mm-hmm. what that looks like can be different for other people. Um, what about the church gives you hope? What What is there that you're like, all right, we need to hold on to this? Or are you just oh, burn it all down? <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because last month our board met and we had a discussion about the flag, actually. It's been a really prominent issue in the church the last couple of months. And people who had previously rolled their eyes and sighed and, you know, acted really annoyed that we even had to have the discussion because they didn't understand why the flag couldn't be up along with, you know, bunting and singing God bless America at every service. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, a few of these people actually watched some documentaries and came back to our meeting and said, you know, I get it now. I understand. And that gave me hope that yeah. the open-mindedness and the willing 
the willingness to just listen mm-hmm. um, to a different perspective. Yeah. That gave me hope that that maybe there is the possibility that we can go forward. And ultimately, we need each other as as a yeah. body of believers. You know, we need a, a place to land and, and to just even laugh together. And I think we see it when there's a, you know, a, a catastrophe somewhere and people look to God. And yeah. I think that as a church, we can still be that that place that hopefully we can kind of hold the this the helm is that correct i don't know navy jargon but like yeah. hold the hold the wheel of the ship or the train I don't yeah know. <laughs> steady so that it's it is a place that still people can come to and and so when i see people who are willing who are I, they're the biggest ones to say well we used to do it this is how we used to do it and to see mm-hmm. the same person soften and really try to listen and understand and ultimately have their perspective changed. That was, um, that was a huge thing for me, especially in a season where I'm, I'm holding on with <laughs> bloody knuckles and, and my, you know, fingernails are falling off and all that. Uh, I, I appreciated yeah. just the willingness to listen and to have the conversation and to hear the heart of why change, change is being asked to happen, you know? Yeah. That's great. I mean, that's, that's a miracle if I've ever heard one. People changing their mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, in, right. In 2022 is pretty rare to hear. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and and the way that I, I think it's important to note the way that that happened was within the context of community and relationship. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't mm-hmm. all caps typing on a keyboard. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. It, it oh my goodness. Just get off social media. Calling people heretics. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, telling people why they're wrong and you're right. It's it was a matter of, I think, grace and mm-hmm. and respect and in 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 within personal relationships. I think that's yeah. I think that's the church. I think that's the beauty of what mm-hmm. it means to be the body of Christ in a lot of ways. Well, and clearly this is nothing new. Paul was having issues with the church <laughs> yeah. long ago, and it's yeah. going to continue because we're we're people and we are made so differently. And and that's the beauty mm. of it is things that I am terrible at, other people are awesome at. Yeah. And if we can recognize what a gift that is, yeah, and put aside our ego and put aside, you know, how we think something needs to be done and recognize, oh, that that works too. That gets the job done also. And the, the important thing is the job got done, right? Yeah. But it takes people setting aside themselves and recognizing this is not, this is not about us. We are part of something much larger and bigger yeah. than, than we could ever orchestrate ourselves, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I mean, there's a lot of other things that I, I, I uh, kind of wanted to ask you about. Maybe we can do a part two sometime, but um, like, I'd love to hear your perspective on, on uh, you know a woman in the ministry and, <laughs> you and what, it, what it, no i i do <laughs> we'll have the beat button ready to go uh, <laughs> uh i mean i think that's yeah i mean that conversation's been had many times but mm-hmm. everybody's different um but I, I i've appreciated uh sitting down and talking with you um just about ministry and it's about leading and pastoring and yeah, I think um sounds like you've been I, I I had no idea that you know you guys hadn't been without a pastor for a year. That's that's nuts. 
I I would I would yeah I I probably quit by now too. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. I I texted your mother-in-law, who is always my voice of reason. Yeah. She calms me down. And yeah. I texted her a year ago and said, "Yeah, my, my pastor's resigning." And I expected to hear her be like, "You can do it, Tiffany. Like God's going to get you through this." And yeah. no, nope, her response was, "Buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride." <laughs> and I knew I knew I was in for it, and that was her response. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> that's that's funny. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, with that, uh, my guest this week has been. Uh, how do I, is it good, Rich or good Rick? I never know. It's good Rick. Good Rick. Okay, my my uh, guest this week has been Tiffany Goodrick, and uh, this has been uh, the Millennial Pastor Podcast, and I have been your guest host Ryan, and well, hopefully we will see you guys next time. On previous seasons, you have heard us promote our fellow millennial author, but on this season, we're promoting a different sort of millennial minister. Have you ever prayed about becoming a military chaplain? It's undeniable that God has called each and every one of us to use the talents, the gifts, and the abilities He's given us for His kingdom work. From being the chaplain of a ship, to a Coast Guard unit, to even a Marine Corps battalion, if you are hearing this and wondering if this might be for you, I encourage you to pray about it. Yes, it's a call to all-around fitness, mind, body, and spirit, and yes, it's quite possibly the most challenging thing that you'll ever do. But it's also the most rewarding ministry I can think of. The most powerful force in the world, the United States Navy, needs chaplains, and as a recent initiative has been established that's seeking to put a chaplain on every ship, there is quite possibly a need for you. Being able to serve both God and country has been one of the most incredible blessings of my life. Check out the Navy Career website on the specifics of chaplaincy requirements, and I would love to connect with you if it's something you might feel called to. Pray about it. Thank you for supporting your local Millennial Pastor. The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. This season's guest host is Ryan Alba. Our editor is Caden Barksdale. And original music was done by Andrew Jones. This podcast is part of the Millennial Pastor Podcasting Network. For more podcasts like it, please visit themillennialpastor.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. So you can join us on the next episode of the Millennial Pastor Podcast.